Hello and welcome to another edition of St. Pete's on Repeat, the online sermon archive of St. Peter Lutheran Church in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. The sermon was preached for the third Sunday in the season of Lent and is based on the gospel reading that day, Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. The word of the Lord. Dear followers of Jesus, no one in the verses that we just read really understood Jesus. Let's start with the whole assembly that led Jesus away. This is the Sanhedrin which is comprised of the chief priests and teachers of the law. That's the same group that put Jesus on trial. They heard Jesus confess that he is the Son of God, but they didn't believe it. They said Jesus was worthy of death, but they didn't have the power to carry out that sentence. So they brought him to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. Their official accusations consisted of two lies and one half-truth. The first lie was that Jesus was misleading the nation. In fact, he was actually doing the opposite. He was trying to straighten the twisted teaching that the false leaders like themselves were teaching. The second lie was that Jesus opposed paying taxes to Caesar. In point of fact, Jesus had memorably said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And the one half-truth was he claims to be Messiah a king. Now this was true, of course. Jesus did claim to be the Messiah, the chosen one, because he is. And Jesus is a king, but the way they presented this truth was meant to make him seem like he was posing as an earthly king, a threat to Rome and Caesar, which he certainly was not. The Jewish leaders didn't understand Jesus because they didn't want to. Pilate didn't understand Jesus either, but for a totally different reason. He probably had heard of Jesus, but from their interaction you get the impression that he didn't know much about him. Early on a Friday morning, a crowd materialized outside Pilate's headquarters in Jerusalem, shoving forward this plain-looking man and accusing him of claiming to be king. Pilate's response tells us what he was thinking. Are you the king of the Jews? We'll hear more about this trial next week. For now, let's just say that 
Pilate didn't see Jesus as a threat. He sensed that this man posed no danger to Caesar. Pilate's goal was to send the whole assembly home, but the Jewish leaders persisted. And when they mentioned that Jesus was from Galilee, Pilate saw his way out. Galilee was the jurisdiction of Herod, who happened to be in town for the Passover. Perfect. Pilate sent Jesus to him. Herod may be the most interesting figure in this text. He had wanted to see Jesus for a long time. He had heard about Jesus' exploits and wanted to see one of Jesus' miracles. You can imagine Herod's excitement then when they brought Jesus in. Let's see what he can do. But Jesus did no miracles. He didn't even say a word. As Herod's anticipation turned into disappointment and then boredom, he and his soldiers had some fun at Jesus' expense and then sent him promptly back to Pilate. The people who put God on trial in our world today have a lot in common with the people in this account. Like the Jewish leaders, there are some people who seem to be against Jesus because they feel that his teachings are a threat to them and to their way of life. They know who Jesus is, and they don't like him. Like Pilate, there are others in our world today less motivated by hatred toward Jesus than apathy about him. They don't know much about Jesus, and they're not interested to learn anymore. They have other things to do. Then there are those like Herod. They've heard about Jesus and are intrigued by him. Maybe they've heard that he was a friend of sinners and assume that in him they will find an ally who will approve of their choices. Perhaps they think of him as the original rebel, an inspiration for their political cause. Or maybe they've heard that Jesus can help turn lives around, so they picture in their minds some magician who will make their troubles disappear with a wave of his hand. When they learn more and realize that that's not who he is, they lose interest or maybe even turn against him. What about us? Where are we in this account? Sadly, there is no one to look up to in these 12 verses of Luke's Gospel. But can we consider for a moment whether we might have something in common with all three? but maybe especially King Herod? There are times when we, we misunderstand who Jesus is, too. We treat him like a divine vending machine, expecting him to dispense blessings for us, and then we get angry when we put our money in, or our time or effort, and no blessings come. Or we gladly accept the good that he sends, but we chafe under the trouble, as if there could be a Christ or a Christian without a cross. Maybe we think we can enjoy his forgiveness without forgiving others, or without fighting against the sins that we're asking to be forgiven. The problem, the, the thing we share with everyone in this story, is an inward focus. The Jewish leaders were only thinking about their political and cultural influence. Pilate was only thinking about his job and convenience. Herod was only thinking about his entertainment. We're sinners like them. 
Our sin is like a warped lens that distorts our view of Jesus so that we see what we want to see. You know, I said there is no one in this account for us to look up to. Of course, that's not actually true, because Jesus is here. But Jesus, well, in some ways, Jesus fades into the background of this story. For the most part, he keeps quiet, unwilling to do tricks for Herod, and refusing to answer more false accusations before Pilate or the Jews. When he does speak, he is respectful and truthful. He's steady and faithful and perfect. In fact, Pilate and Herod confirm this. Pilate sent Jesus to Herod because he could detect no crime. Herod sent Jesus back for the same reason, and these are guys who had no trouble finding reasons to hand out cruel punishments. Unwittingly, their apathy and boredom served to exonerate Jesus, and Jesus was innocent. That innocence of Jesus is what you now wear, bright like the robe they put on him. So let's not let Jesus fade into the background. Look at your God on trial. If you're keeping count, these are now his second and third trials of that Friday morning. He hasn't slept. At every stop, he receives abuse and mockery. He knows this path will lead to the cross, but that's where he wants to go. Because even if everyone else misunderstands him, he knows who he is. Your substitute, your sacrifice, your savior. This is the Jesus that we want the world to see. He's better than a magician who can wave away your troubles. He's the Messiah who washes your sin away. He's more than an inspiration for those who fight for freedom. He has freed us from what really matters, death and hell. He has such love for sinners that he cannot just approve of our sins and leave us trapped in them. He forgives our sins and then empowers us to fight against them. As we present that Jesus to the world, there's no question that many will continue in their blindness. Because of that, we can expect some mockery and opposition ourselves. If others don't understand Jesus, they certainly won't understand us. But I do think we have opportunities, especially with those people who, like Herod, are intrigued about Jesus, but just don't know much about him. Have they heard that he has power, that he's tender and compassionate, that he taught peace, that he has a special place in his heart for the poor and the downtrodden? All of that is true. But there's more to say, and we'll be happy to say it. Jesus will make us bold. He stood before a governor and a king. Just three days earlier, he had told his disciples that they too should be expected to, call, to be called before the authorities. The Bible tells us that some of them were. Like Peter and John before that same Sanhedrin, or the Apostle Paul before another Herod and other Roman governors. Now, you and I may not be called before kings, but we can't expect to stand before people who have some misunderstandings about who Jesus is, and we can show them the real picture. I, I said earlier that no one in this narrative understood Jesus, but that's not entirely true. As Luke wrote these verses, he imagined one who did.
the reader. He wrote this for a believer named Theophilus, but by the Spirit's inspiration, Luke also writes this for you. You and I hear these words today. We know who Jesus is. We know it by and, and only by the Spirit's power. Our eyes have been opened to see that the man on trial is our God and Savior. That's God's gift to us and our gift to the world. Amen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.